This is the Acting Up Podcast with your host, Allie Goodman. Hey friends, welcome to the Acting Up Podcast, a backstage pass to the life of a working actor and mom raising a kid with special needs. This past week definitely had a few challenges, and this time it really had nothing to do with Jackson uh, or, you know, being a mom in general as much as it was about life and then how we have to handle those situations. So our water heater went out, which, you know, if you live in Arizona or Los Angeles or Florida or somewhere where it's constantly warm is not the worst thing in the world. I mean, I don't think anybody wants to take a cold shower, but when it's freezing cold in Chicago, as it has been, to have no water heat, <laughs> no water heat, it was not fun. So we noticed this on Saturday evening, and then Sunday it was like there was zero hot water, and I was I called to see if a plumber could come on Monday and they were like do you want us to come out now because it's gonna cost you a heck of a lot I'm like nope we'll go one more day without uh hot water somehow somehow (laughs) it was interesting and so Monday they showed up and we hoped it was just the pilot light had gone out uh on the on the water heater but nope nope it was an old water heater and needed to be dumped and therefore a new one needed to be purchased and A few hours later, we finally had water, which, you know, was not a bad thing. It happened to be a day where Jackson was gone. It was just John was home. So it was it was less stressful than it could have been, except that we had planned this whole day to fix the living room up a little by sort of doing some tidying up a la Marie Kondo of some of the toys specifically the ones that we don't think Jackson's ever going to play with that we don't really think either Jordan's not going to play with them or we don't know if he'll play with them and maybe we'll put them away for him to play with them but that you know basically we have to stop the pipe dream of Jackson's going to someday want to play with this I guess if he does it'll be later on so we need to not keep them just everywhere because there's just toys everywhere things that we've accumulated things that we keep hoping that he'll get into so we had to make some choices and changes and put things in other places some stuff went to the garage some stuff got donated etc etc but this was our entire living room was a complete just in disarray as we have this plumber showing up to you know basically tell us we think there's a dead bird in your heater it was just a mess a dead bird yeah that's just delightful but he said whatever debris and he used that word in air quotes debris hit the bottom of your water heater that's why the pilot light's not coming on and it's an old water heater anyway so we got the water situation fixed and as we started to think about what toys we wanted to keep and go one of the other really cool things that's coming down the pike with Jackson's programming that he's doing through his clinic is his BCBA, which is the board certified behavioral analyst, is putting together a program that will help him do more independent work at home. Because right now, when Jackson's around, we're basically, we have to be in the same room with him constantly, unless he's in his bedroom, which is just basically this sparse area where he can't really get into much trouble. But downstairs in the living room, there's a lot of ways that he can kind of get into trouble. It's his 
sort of baby and kid-proofed as it can be. But Jackson's a big kid, and he can climb on things and jump off of things and get in the way of things. And so we we want him to want to be occupied with things that he wants to play with. It's just the one thing that I never realized, as I've said before, is you have to teach Sometimes you have to teach kids how to play and to learn how to play and to enjoy it. And sometimes I don't think Jackson really enjoys play because maybe he doesn't understand the purpose or he wants a beginning, middle, and end. So one of the programs that our BCBA is putting together is giving him tasks that he can do. And obviously as time goes on, the tasks will take more and more time. But he picks the drawer. So we're going to get like a three-drawer system that he goes in, he pulls out whatever that task is, whether it's doing a puzzle, whether it's, you know, putting together some magnetiles that match the pictures or whatever it is, something that has a, a, a task-oriented thing that will give him time to have to complete them. And that might give us time to wash dishes or feed Jordan or whatever it happens to be. So the idea behind it is that it will essentially give him independent time that isn't just him sitting and spinning or stimming or jumping on the couch or running around and making a ton of noise, but something that's actually functional and helpful and will help him to, you, you know, work independently, which can only help him in the future and, you know, and in, in, in the present. So the, to, in order to prepare for that, I wanted to make sure that we kept any sort of activity-like things that would work towards this goal. So I kept a few things out that Jackson has had no interest in necessarily, but might actually be something he might want to do as time goes on, given these parameters, once we get this programming set up. And then two, things that might fit in a drawer that would work for those things. So all those little components put together. So I kept a few things out that nobody's really touching right now, but that could very well work for this. So that's cool. And then the other stuff we kept out were stuff that Jordan is using now. And then I separated, you know, what he might use from, say, 15 months to two years and then maybe three years plus. And yeah, just did a lot of just clearing out and cleaning out stuff to make it just a little bit more habitable there and didn't feel like we were overwhelmed with stuff, which is, I guess, the whole point of tidying up. Hooray. Uh, yeah, so... I wanted to bring this topic in to to the forefront, this idea of what is okay to say. And I I think it's because it's probably the biggest question I get and often the most awkward first moments. I've mentioned before that I'll say, oh, Jackson's autistic or he's on the autism spectrum or he's on the spectrum. Those are all interchangeable things that I will say depending on who I'm talking to and what what pops out of my mouth in that moment. And the response is almost always this imperceptible, but per for me, perceptible flicker behind the eyes and almost this very small intake of breath. Like the, unless somebody has a child who's, who's autistic or has worked with or been with children, you know, directly, whether it's like their nephew or their niece or their best friend's kid, or they work with children with special needs in general, there's always this moment of, oh God, oh God, can they see that I don't know what to say? I don't know what to say. I should just nod. Oh my gosh, I'm nodding. Now I'm feeling really uncomfortable and let's just change the subject. Or maybe I should ask a question. Should I ask a question? I don't know what I should do. What do I say? And a lot of this, now I find, now it's like sometimes slightly amusing. I, that's a terrible thing to say, but it's true. Because like when you're so used to that, seeing that, and I'm so open that I'm really somebody that it's not hard to ask a lot of questions to. And usually the 
people who know who know me enough or get a genuine sense of me being open to questions will ask is it okay if I ask something and I've never said no so I'm one of those people now there are other people that may have a completely different take I've not met them but then again I'm coming from a different position I'm coming from a position of a parent with a child who also is goes through these challenges or challenges in some capacity that you kind of feel that you're like, oh, mama, like solidarity or hey, papa, I get it. You know, we it's like this moment of, oh, you're my people. We get each other. And it's I want to just say that it's a very different camaraderie than, say, my my acting people, my people who are in showbiz or, you know, on camera or in theater or in any capacity of the arts where it's like, ah, my people, I get you. I We were born with this. It's our, we get the passion. We understand each other. There's that thing. I don't, I don't ever feel like I chose to be in this business. I feel like the business kind of chose me. I feel like this passion chose me and, you know, acting chose me. So this is going to sound tr- strange for me to say this, but there's something to be said about seeing those people and you just sort of like have a moment of solidarity, of, of connection. Like, yeah, you were born with it too. You get it. And it's similar with parents of kids with special needs, except in the arts, you're still making a choice to do it every day. I'm still making a choice to be in it. I might have that passion. My my mom loves the theater. She never would do theater, but she will always have theater tickets. She will always show up. She's very supportive of the arts. But it's a different thing because she doesn't want to do it. She just wants to go watch it and be a great patron of the arts and for me it's like I have to do it I have to be in it and creative and creating something and being a part of that and the whole experience of being a part of it and and the people who get being a part of it I didn't choose to have a kid with special needs and I don't really know any parent who actually like chose that except for the ones who are amazing saints who adopt children with special needs and say oh I want to go help these kids or people that again other people who are like I want to go work with these children and and you know help them live better lives and it's amazing to me but most of the parents especially for kids with autism because there's no test to tell in advance you don't know that that's coming down the pike you are you are thrown into this experience and in this life and so a lot of what happens is we don't we are learning on the job if you will and it's not a choice it's we don't have another choice. So I thought it might be helpful because what where this all sort of stemmed from was um, my friend Meg, who I think I've mentioned on another podcast, has three boys. And she wrote to me once and asked me a question. And I, don't, I doubt she even remembers this. She's, she made a comment. Of, actually, this had nothing to do with autism. That's something to do with something else. But she said, is this okay to say? Or is this okay? I don't know if I'm saying this right. And it triggered in me this thought, yeah, I hear that a lot. I don't know the best way to say this. Is that how you is that how you identify him? Do you say special needs? Do you say autism? Do you say autistic? How how do you define is it okay that I ask you questions? Is it how I don't want to say something wrong? Okay, so I'm not speaking for all parents, but I will tell you that I would thousand times over rather people ask then assume. So if you see me on the street, please feel free to ask me anything. So what's okay to say? I think the best question there is like how to identify your kid would be 
ask that question. How do you do you what what language do you use to identify, you know, Jackson's you know situation? Do you say and and if I don't understand what you're asking, I might be like, what do you mean? And be like, well, do you say special needs? Do you say autistic? Do you say autism? Oh, okay, yeah. So we actually use all of those to identify because it depends on the situation and lots of times whatever pops out of my mouth. So there's a ways. Now I'm sure I don't have to say this, but the hard R, I think you all know what I'm saying, that is never okay. And that is not a word that we use anymore to describe anybody. And interestingly enough, there's and I I just want to dispel a myth. A lot of people think that intellectual disability and autism go hand in hand, and that's not true. There are definitely definitely children who and, and adults, of course, too. But specifically speaking, as the parent of a child, there are children with intellectual disability as well as autism, sort of as a comorbidity. But they're not necessarily having one doesn't necessarily mean having the other you can have an, a child with intellectual disability and that be the only thing or you can have a child that has autism and that be it or you can have a child with autism and intellectual disability in a lot of cases kids with autism get lumped in because there are gaps and places where they don't meet up so they're immediately lumped into having intellectual disability and it's not the right classification you have in our case jackson has autism and adhd he just happens to be one that has both of those which is not uncommon either but it is in jackson's case the situation and other kids just have adhd or just have autism and like i've always said the gaps are different in every kid so i don't even know how they diagnose anymore because i feel like there's such a the spectrum really is so grand okay so it's okay to ask it's okay to ask what what language do you use? I think that's a very valid question. Other things that I found, I was talking with a few, talking online with a few other moms and asking what they find to be useful, helpful. What have other people said to them that were you know, supportive ways that, that made them feel like even though they know their kid is presents challenges in in what you might say a regular situation how do how have people made them feel included and accepted and whatnot and i think the best one that i read came in as somebody said and i think it was the this mom's sister or sister-in-law said nobody knows what it's like to parent this child other than these two people Lisa and Dan. Nobody knows how to parent this child other than Lisa and Dan. I'm just using those two names. I don't know if those are their names. And I thought, gosh, that's so perfect. That's exactly right. There is no playbook. There's no handbook. And your child, my child, we're all, all of our children are going to be different and how we approach parenting might be different. But as far as the complex struggles or strategies or what we're working on or what is going to work, Anybody coming in with a judgment just makes it 10,000 times harder. I found that one of my favorite things that somebody might say to me if I'm out and about and there's a bit of a meltdown going on, I've had just moms walk by me and say, you're doing an amazing job. And I think that happened to me once when Jackson was just off the wall. I, we were, he was in a cart. We were, I think we were in Target. And then the mom walked by me and she said, just so you know, you're doing a great job. And I, I just collapsed in tears. I might have been pregnant at the time. I don't know. But regardless, I was so grateful for that. She didn't do anything else. She didn't stop. She just walked by me and just said that. 
I've had other moms who've looked over and I'm expecting like Judgy McJudgerson and instead I get like a like a like a nod of the head and like a smile that says I get it I've been there you're okay even though they don't know our situation and they don't know that maybe we have it a bit harder at the moment or, or our struggles are different it almost doesn't matter because motherhood in general or parenthood in general brings us together that's been helpful it's also, I also struggle with the fact that, and I know I'm not alone in this because some of my other uh, mom friends that w we go out every once in a while, we talk about this. There's something about the, the invisibility of autism. Like I said before, if you don't know Jackson or he isn't stimming at the moment and he's just looking like a kid who's thrown a fit, it it feels like sometimes I want to shout to the rooftops. No, he, he he's different. He's I know it looks like a six-year-old who's having a temper tantrum and I'm not handling it well, but you don't know our strategies. And I think it's okay to just remind people that they're, they're just supportively, they're doing a good job. And again, the only way that I would think that a mom wasn't doing a good job is if I actively saw them like abusing their kid. <laughs> and granted, how many of us haven't yelled at our kid when we're and then we feel terrible about it later? Like I did, I did not handle that well. You know, we're all learning on the job, every one of us. Unfortunately, those of us with kids who have behavioral things or have, you know, issues that are more complex, we are constantly hypervigilant, constantly on the, I almost want to say on the defensive because we expect attacks. And when we let our guard down, that's when, that's when they, that's when they know, that's when they know they can dive in and get us at our most vulnerable. Other things that are okay to say, almost anything that is in support of the mom or of the kid. I think the best thing that somebody once did, they saw me having a, a struggle with Jackson and they just came up and they said, he had like calmed down for a, a brief moment and they just said something very kind to Jackson. Something about, you know, you have beautiful eyes or look at those eyelashes, which people often comment on that, or they'll say something about his shirt. I think it's for and this is just, I don't know if this is across the board, but in Jackson's case, it's so much easier when people make a comment rather than ask a question. Questions are so high pressure because then I'm sitting there and having to answer for him. I understand that the idea is to be inclusive and you want to talk to my son, but a lot of kids on the autism spectrum have trouble with questions. Questions are hard because it causes a secondary point of processing. You have to think about the question, then you have to think about the answer. So it's if you want to connect with my kid as a way to be supportive and, and show that you want to include him, which bless you for doing that. Like that's the, just so awesome of you. Talk to him about something. For example, he's wearing a Ramon shirt. Oh my gosh, I love the Ramones. What a great, what a great shirt. That's so cool. And then point something out about it. Like, I, you know, I, I, I love that logo or I like their music or, you know, something that is a, a statement rather than a question, something that might bring in solidarity. Another thing that we do with Jackson is we, we are practicing consent with him because I'm such a touchy-feely, huggy, kissy person. I don't think about the fact that sometimes he doesn't want to be hugged and kissed and whatnot. So we're working on 
giving him the choice. I'll ask him, do you want a kiss, a hug, or a high five? So I give him a choice. So sometimes, I mean, and again, that's asking a question, but it's giving him a question with a choice as opposed to like something open-ended or, you know, um, are you having a good day or, you know, what's your favorite color? Those are really hard questions, but something like, it's so good to meet you. Do you want a high five or a handshake? In Jackson's case, I guarantee you he'll say a high five because he doesn't know what a handshake is. Those are ways that you can connect. And anybody that takes a moment to take in my kid and talk to him is super cool, especially after knowing what they know. It's awkward for, I I don't know what it's like for people who have completely nonverbal children. And maybe it's a little more obvious because they oftentimes are walking around with an assisted device to help. But lots of times those look like iPads or some sort of a game playing app, you know, pad of some kind. So it may not be so clear. So I don't know how those parents have handled it in the past or in the, you know, currently or in the future. But Jackson's so moderately verbal where if you ask him the right questions or he's, he can be, he can fool you and just seem like he's shy as opposed to he really just can't process the question and produce an answer. So if you bring up something if you're somebody who knows me or knows him or you see if we're at the play space and you saw him go down the slide, you can say, oh, you were going down the slide so fast. That's a great observation. Giving him things of observation are great. Those are things that are okay to say. And again, it's so much easier if you make the ch- the choice to be vulnerable. And I'm saying you, I'm, I'm literally talking to the parents who have neurotypical children who want to be supportive. If you take the moment to be vulnerable and ask, may I ask you some questions or do you mind talking about this or is it is it okay to ask you something? That's a way, that opens the door because let me tell you, who doesn't want to sit around and talk about their kid? Everybody wants to talk about their kid and brag about their kid, right? It's, it's a great feeling, but I think this is super important. If you have a friend who is the parent of a child with special needs and you want to include them but you don't you don't know the right way to go about it please always offer an invite if you can to whatever it is now they may decline they may tell you they can't go they may ask a million questions about what it's going to be like there if it's a I gotta tell you if Jackson gets invited to a birthday party and it's a drop-off I'm not dropping him off I can't leave him in the care of another person who isn't prepared to deal with any of his erratic behavior because he if it's not the structure he's aware of, he's not going to follow any sort of basic rules. He can do certain things. You know, you tell all the kids to go sit on the mat. He can do that, but he may not sit there the whole time and he may get up and jump up. He may not know that he may not understand you all have to get in line to walk to go have pizza in the next room. And it's not anybody else's responsibility to know that my kid really can't have cheese on his pizza. You have to pull the cheese off and he gets the crust and the tomato sauce. You know, it's, that's not, I, I can't put that in the care of somebody else's hands. You know, it, it, everything takes a minute. So if this is a drop-off thing, I'm not dropping my kid off. So he may not attend, but oh my gosh, we're so grateful that you even thought of us to invite us. And you can bet if we have a party, you're getting invited back. When you allow inclusion of our kids in your home you, and understand that we may have to duck out early and understand that we may have a meltdown and you say, whatever you need, just let me know. How can I, how can I help? Or here, what, what are things you do at home? And I might say, well, we have to kind of barricade the, the room so that he can't 
escape. I mean, we have, you know, locks on the doors and we make sure that, you know, there's nothing easily spinnable because he will spin it. Anybody that goes out of their way to set him up for success in whatever capacity that is, whether it's in your home or whether when we're all out, you know, eating or something, that's amazing. I, I've had friends who have dashed out after my kid when he's tried to elope and leave a situation. You cannot know how much that means to me that you're willing to jump in to one of those situations because you care enough that he's safe or you know that you can help or you can be like a human blockade so that he doesn't run to the back of the Starbucks, whatever it is. These are the things that really show parents like us huge amounts of support and that there's no judgment there, that it's it doesn't matter that your kid is six and my kid is two and it's appropriate that my two-year-old is doing this. And maybe to other people, it's not appropriate that your six-year-old's doing this, but we love you and we love your kid and he's a good kid and it's okay. We all do things at our own pace and that's huge. That's huge. That shows us that we don't have to lose all of our friends just because we have something that none of us chose. It's just who we are and what we are as our family is now and what it looks like and what who our child is and how he's wired and that that doesn't make him bad or us bad or we don't have to isolate so deeply. So that's a great way. And I'll tell you, I may decline your offers nine times out of 10. But if you keep offering, I at least know that you care. And please just keep trying to include us. Just keeping a little bit more vulnerable because I have to tell you, we live our lives in vulnerability. We're constantly vigilant. We're constantly on alert. And we're not very good at navigating everything. And we're so busy trying so hard to keep, if we have other kids, trying to keep them safe as well as our kid with the special needs safe and, and keep our family communicating and and a lot of times it turns into how do I manage how do I manage how do I manage how do I manage and when you can be the more vulnerable person to to reach out and just say hey you got this I just want you to know that I see you and I see the work you're doing and I see the work he's doing or she's doing and it's amazing and it's inspiring any of those kinds of things that are positive and that even though we're in the middle of a craziness in the middle of whatever it is that we're going through just knowing that you care enough to reach out and be vulnerable with us I can't even tell you how how far that goes that's the overall sentiment I want to get across is you making an effort and continuing to make an effort knowing that I'm I've got a lot right now and I've got probably a lot more than you even realize because I keep it kind of contained because I have to at least get out of my house once in a while uh, and you recognizing that is amazing. That's I would say that's probably the overall thing that mo- the other moms and I really felt the most passionate about is our friends that just don't give up on us. That would be it. That's about the best support you can give. Great. So I want to do a shout out real quick to my friend Monique. Oh, Monique, you're amazing. And I love you. And Monique is a, a fellow mom warrior who has a, a child... Uh, on the autism spectrum and she recently had an an encounter that broke my heart not to divulge way too much but somebody made a comment to their kid that they should not associate with her kid because her kid has autism I know I know it was awful it was terrible and it's heartbreaking that anybody would say that 
to their child, what do you think? It's catching? I mean, do you think it's like this disease that you like, oh, goodness, you know, that person has chicken pox, you know, and, you know, don't go near them or that person has a cold or the flu. It's autism isn't a flu, y'all. So it was just I, I'm I'm kind of like making light of this, but it wasn't something to be made light of at all. It was heartbreaking and awful. And I just, I just want, Monique, I just want you to know what a great mom you are and you handled this so well. And I love you. And I'm so sorry that anybody is so ignorant in this day and age. And I hope that that person learned something because they lost out on getting to know your kid who's just amazing and getting to know you who's also just amazing. So huzzah and hurrah for being incredible. Other than that, upcoming this week, I don't know that there's anything. This might just be kind of a a regular week. I know. I'm hoping that something really exciting happens. Oh, here's something. Bring me your questions. Because this episode was born out of a question, like I said, my friend Meg brought up to me. And then other people coming in with some great points about things that people have said to them or ways that people have been supportive or whatever. It's so helpful for me because I learn from other people and I go, oh, I wish somebody would have said that to me. That's so great. Or, oh, I, you know, oh, I can't believe somebody said that to you. So definitely ask me questions or, you know, comment on any of the posts that I put up. I'm so open. You can message me anytime. And I'm more than happy, as I said before, I'm very open to that. Which brings me to, you can always find me on Facebook at Allie Real to Real. That's Allie, A-L-I. And Real to Real is R-E-A-L-2, T-O-R-E-E-L. And the same name on Instagram, Allie Real to Real. And if you want to find me on Twitter, if you twit, if you twit, if you tweet, Allie, A-L-I underscore Goodman. Our podcast, you can find us pretty much wherever you get podcasts. Spotify, if you go straight to Podbean, you can get it. I have a website that will direct you right to it. It's actinguppodcast.com, and that will take you straight to the Podbean site. And you can find us on Stitcher and Apple Podcasts and Google Play. So check us out and subscribe if you haven't subscribed and share us with your friends. And if you have a minute to rate and review us, we would just love you so much. No, I really appreciate all of the feedback I get. I get a lot of feedback via messaging and I get feedback via texts and things like that because I know people are listening and I really, really appreciate it. Your support means uh, the most because that's going to get this podcast in the hands of the people that also really need it, that are maybe have their kids newly diagnosed and need to feel like they're part of a community. As we gather and learn from each other, it's a way that we can all do this and not feel so freaking alone. This this can make you feel so freaking alone. Motherhood alone can make you feel so freaking alone and then and then add these challenges on top of it and it's just so much. So let's uh let's just remember to take this one step at a time one day at a time sometimes one second at a time and hang in there friends we are all in this together